Hello, Love hello, hello. Talk hello. Radio. The homeless is still homeless. The poor is still poor. Yet we find billions of dollars to fund senseless war. And yes, we're fighting terrorism. What about the quiet racism? Dividing among ourselves. Somebody's crying for help. Heaven is listening. Heaven is watching. Heaven knows. And they may not play this on the radio. Cause the devil don't want you to know. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Unbuzzing Show. How are you? I'm your host, Bishop L.J. Gillery. And thanks for tuning in today. I'm here at the warehouse. Uh, we're getting food together so that we can get it out. Uh, we're just doing our part. Uh, if you are in the homes, stay in your home. Don't go out. It's very dangerous. Um, unless you have an emergency, you have to get food, you have to get something, uh, then you go out and get what you need. But other than that, I would tell you I would recommend you stay in your house. Stay in your house. Mr. Jones, how are you? Just fine, sir. How are you doing this evening? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Welcome to the Ombudsman Press Show. Uh, I, you have so much information to give to our listeners. Our listeners need to hear what you have to say. Uh, so I just want to, you know, tell them a little bit about what you know uh, about uh, the stimulus because I, everybody has these questions, and no one can seem to really answer the questions Um Quite like you have been able to give me information, so I thought it would be uh, enlightening just to have you on the show to explain. Well, first thing I can tell you, sir, is um, wow, the stimulus package is basically uh, for a lot of people is going to be smoke and mirrors. I mean, they say what folks can get, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I would say probably seventy, seventy-five percent of people won't even be eligible to get the benefits. So. That's wow. kind of scary. That's kind of scary right there because uh, we're looking at things like, and everything is everything is ever changing. I mean, there's what I, what I can tell you today will not be good more than likely tomorrow. Mm. Um, they keep changing the rules to the program as for stimulus for individuals. They change the rules to the program as stimulus for companies or for self-employed, for independent contractors. They, so I I can give you what I get. And like I said, it keeps changes it's fluid. It's uh, it's mm-hmm. like a, uh, it's like that game. Uh, what they used to call it, three card Molly. You just yeah. just when you think you know where it's at, yeah. it's not there anymore, sir. Okay, so won't you give us what what you have right now from where it is right now before they change the game again? Okay, the game right now. Uh, they have sent out some stimulus checks um, right now to private individuals, which is. Um, Families that that twelve hundred dollar check they was talking about, uh, twelve hundred per person, uh, with five hundred going to the children, and now they included also another five hundred going with that that gap of age that they missed somewhere between it was either fifteen to uh, twenty two, fifteen to twenty five, or seventeen to twenty five, or nineteen to twenty five year olds, the ones that usually away in school, 
uh, but they added that back in as of three days ago. But some people have reported uh, getting their money so far, uh, anywhere from the $1,200, which was for an adult, a single adult, up to as much as 4700 that I know of, and that's including the, the two adults and children. Um, but that program is, uh, is only, even though they say they will roll out $1,200, they will pay everybody uh, this amount of money. It um, becomes a little difficult because the 1200 doesn't apply to anyone that uh, owes any child, um, child rearage or child support, which, which is, sounds, it, it sounds like it should be, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some folks are worried about whether if you owe income taxes because the Treasury is, the Treasury Department is issuing these, um, these checks or, or, these, or this money. So people are a little concerned whether or not people had owed anything to income tax uh, to IRS or to the state income tax authority, but this is a federal payment. So the state uh, state has nothing to do with this particular uh, this, this, this tax giveaway, this money giveaway. Now, as for you on IRS, they, they are not supposed to institute any penalties against you for owing them any money from back taxes or for taxes you might owe in the future for this $1,200. Now, at the same instance, um, people who might have a lien against them or a judgment against them for someone trying to take their tax money, this is not supposed to be included in that same type of uh, lien engagement or judgment granting. So the 1200 is basically supposed to be free and clear. Now, here's the caveats. Um, they need to find a way to track you. So they, want, they wanted folks in the beginning to turn an in income tax form, whether to use the 2018 or to use your 2019, uh, and it became a little confusing because the people in my community, over half of them do not file an income tax form for whatever reason. Okay, Either they're too old, they don't make enough money, or they don't want to file one. I mean, I'm not going to say what the reason is, but those are some of the reasons why. So if, you're not, if you have not filed income tax, then automatically you was out this $1,200 giveaway. Okay, so then he came in. Go ahead, sir. So the people that are on GR, general relief, the people that are, are, are disabled uh, and so they get the SNAP food stamps, um, they have been told historically, if you make less than $12,000 a year, you do not have to file taxes because you're, only, you're getting basically uh, less than $1,000. These people only get 200 bucks, 220 a month or something like that. They were telling them they did not have to file. So this is where I think that the uh, Democrat um, electives went and said, listen, you guys need to change this. Because they don't for your business. Well, the, the Dem- you're right. The Democrats tried to uh, – Democrats did a good thing in my eyesight, which was holding up the stimulus package for, for a few reasons. When you got Republicans and Democrats fighting over money, Democrats send, tend to fight for – or more income-passing giveaway of money. In other words, they, instead of the trickle from the top to the bottom a theory, as Ronald Reagan tried, somewhat loved, they like to bring the money from the bottom to the top. Uh, and they wanted more money for the regular, everyday person or the people who was actually hurting instead of putting it in the big corporations or the big business hands. So what happened was um, they would, people were saying, what would happen if I didn't file my taxes? I mean, that was the, that was the big thing because that right there wiped out 70-some percent of the folks I know. So what they came up with was, uh, on, if I'm not mistaken, on April 10th, uh, which was yesterday, they decided to utilize IRS, put something on the website where you can use a link that's known for non-filers, and it's a free fillable form 
that the bottom line is they wanted you to to place a social security number on a form regardless. Even though these folks who get in general assistance or social security disability or things like that, regardless of this stimulus package had was supposed to and still has no bearing on any income that they would earn per month or per year. So this is a gift payment basically to any and everybody if you can fill out the piece of paper that our that the Treasury Department needs or wants uh, for you to get this. And basically it's one reason they really want that, to make sure they're not it's not a widespread fraud because anytime somebody's giving away a chunk of money without asking much of anything from anybody, hey, I'm sorry, we got people that was following their cats and dogs again as uh, as dependents on their tax forms again. But what we have here is uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to gather right now and tell you that when it came to the point of did you have to file that income tax? Did you have to file income tax return? The word was, as of yesterday, yes and no. And the reason I say yes and no, because anybody who's getting any form of money from U.S. Treasury, being a Social Security payment or SSI disability-type payment, uh, they're supposed to automatically be added with, with the, with the $1,200. They're supposed to be automatically added on, on their next, on their next um, deposit or their next payout, the $1,200. Now, that's as of yesterday. And I have to keep stressing that all this is fluid. It keeps moving. Uh, it's a mess out here because not only is it a mess with the stimulus package, as for personal individual checks for businesses are catching hell right now because they're filling out paperwork and there's no movement. The banks are not ready for them. So if the bank's not ready for them, it stands the fact that RS is not ready for, you know, just because the president opened his mouth and said that, hey, we're going to give you something. The people who are supposed to give it to us are not ready. We even had a delay hit at the $1,200 to some people uh, might not see them for somewhere between 6 to 12 weeks. And let's also add the unemployment benefit. The extra $600 is supposed to be given out on top of what other folks are supposed to get. Some of those folks I know for a fact have received that $600 additional payment as of yesterday. So the money is coming out. The different people. I even know a business that received two hundred thousand dollars for the uh, the paycheck protection plan, but it came at a cost. The two hundred thousand dollars they got, um, they couldn't ask for it later because it's a first come first basis. But then you have X amount of weeks to distribute this money that you get from pay paycheck protection plan. Otherwise, it's counted against you as a loan. So it's a lot of good and it's a lot of bad and all this. But whenever there is free money, I consider it all good. So let's talk about uh, the little small business administration money that they're giving to small businesses. Many of the small businesses that I've talked to around the state, they've contacted us. They said, listen, we get on, went to our bank, and their bank told them, no, uh, we are not set up to uh, get this money. We're not set up to give you this money. Uh, they've been the running room, and when they finally get to the right place, they tell them that um, – there are so many applications in front of them. That that is true. It, it's <laughs> here we go again with the mess. What we have found is that when they announced the plan of the two trillion, which was uh, I think they were giving away three hundred, I think they were giving away three hundred fifty billion initially uh, for businesses, and it also was a first come first serve. As soon as a website opened up to take applications. Uh, Number one, the applications was flawed. 
Number two, the system couldn't handle the load. Number three, banks were not in place to even handle what was coming. When I say not was in place to handle, they couldn't handle the volume, but they also couldn't handle the framework of the paperwork. Because the IRS decided, the government decided to streamline all the paperwork, even though they would tell you to, uh, if you was if you was this particular type of individual applying for money as a business, use this form. What I found out was looking at all the forms, the form was the same form regardless of, of what type of business applied for it. So, they, so the Treasury decided to be smart about it and use one form but not tell you it was one form. So what ended up happening was the whole system just crashed and burned uh, for a day and a half there. When the system came back up, no one could, no one could get approval for the money. Uh, what I've had happen in the last three days is people would get approval for the money, but nobody can help them close out the loan. In other words, the, the federal government side, the bank has the, has got you the approval for the money by saying that you meet the criteria that this bank is asking for, which is universal. But when the bank submits the loan to the federal government for a payout, the federal government is not in position right now to close the loan. They can't fund the loan, and they can't execute the remainder of paperwork. So people are still stuck in a limbo here. Most of the folks are stuck in a limbo. Now, we have a lot of banks who can't participate, either because they don't have enough, uh, their bank is not solvent enough, uh, according to the formula they use to see what banks was in harm's way uh, in the last two or three years, but also because they don't carry enough on deposit. And then we have some big banks that are not participating uh, because they don't want to. So out in California, that might be your case right there. You might have a majority of banks out there that that does not. I'm in Michigan right now, but I'm looking at the laws. I'm looking at the law and the loans how they apply on a federal level because the federal government is instituting it. So it's supposed to be the same program regardless of where we go in the state. I'm sorry, regardless of where we go in the United States. Now give me a specific question there because I probably mine is really racing now. I know, but I I want to. I want to allow you to just disseminate the information that you have because you have a plethora of information. And, uh, you know, when you send me the information, it's like I go and check it. I'm like, wow, where did he get this from? He is doing his research. So um, let, let's talk about the virus, I guess, a little bit. Uh, today it was announced that the, uh, the Justice Department and the FBI were going after these people who have false and fake cures. That they've been selling. They have a uh, uh, pastor um, uh, Baker that they arrested uh, apparently or got an indictment for. Is that Texas or Florida? Yes, that's in Florida, uh, saying that he had the cure to it um, uh, and selling some medication that they said uh, has not been approved by the FDA and it was fake medicine anyway. What 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 information do you have? Uh, regarding what people should do right now? Well, it, it is it, the worst thing that can happen right now, and, and it has happened any time we have an emergency or a problem, is, is gossip or just point blank. I mean, it's gossip. I'm not going to say fake news since uh, since the president seems to like that term and he's the biggest liar I've found. But we're not going to say fake news. What we're going to say is there, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of bad information. There's a there's just just a whole lot of talk, and the information that I gather is coming from. I want you to understand. Number one, it's coming number one from the the best source I can find, which is overseas in, in China right now, out the Asian uh, Asian continent, where where this supposedly disease or virus started or originated, 
is has it's been affecting them for somewhere depending on who who you want to talk to anywhere from six months uh, to the last twelve months. So that's the greatest authority or greatest depository of information that we could have. Now I'm looking at uh, I'm, I'm researching back through news files, scientific uh, research files, doctors' comments, and I'm, I'm looking at folks who deal with it, not folks who talk about it. So I'm looking at doctors who have treated. I'm looking at scientists who are studying. I'm looking at researchers over there who are who are getting it behind, just blow it out, trying to figure out, you know, when would this disease peak? How does it peak? How is it transmitted? How did it originate? What can stop it? What can cause it? What can slow it down? Now, what we need to know in America is two things. Number one, we're getting stinking information from the government. It's all mixed and messy, okay? But the thing is, here's what's known. This is a virus, and a virus can be transmitted by entering any part of the body that has an opening. And we probably have anywhere from, depending on who you want to talk to, six to nine orificles, okay? So we have openings throughout our body. So that's why they say when you touch it, uh, when you touch it and you bring it near yourself, you know, touching it to your hands is not an issue. But once it enters the, the eyes, or it enters the mouth, or it enters the nose, or any other part where something can be transmitted into the body, it can become dangerous to us. Now, the thing we need to guard against it is that there are some things that we can do. Of course, washing your hands, keeping your hands clean, you kill things before you put them on you. Uh, but if the things that this virus is, as they say, this is a virus that can float or linger in the air. It can actually linger in the air. I can sneeze or I can cough, and those tiny droplets of water, molecules of water that we cannot see. is just this vapor. This is vapor floating that you can actually walk into contact, contact with. If the wind's not blowing, vapor does stay suspended for a while or miss stays suspended for a while. Uh, uh, imagine yourself looking at a, at, a, at a kettle of boiling water or a tea, yeah, a tea kettle of boiling water and the steam's floating through there. You can see the steam. And the steam will float and it will continue to go and do what it has to do until the steam gets cool enough where the steam will dissipate and turn back into its state, which it was before it was steam. Before it was heated, it was water. So imagine that, that a sneeze or a cough that has this virus floating on it is as though it's steam, but it's like an invisible steam. And as this virus floats back down because of gravity, thank God for gravity, the virus, uh, even if the droplets are floating, they will descend down to the ground. Now, that ground might be a countertop, might be the seat of your car, it might be your clothing, it might be you. That's how it's transmitted. That is how they find out it's transmitted. So what we can do to stop the transmission is um, we have to be a lot more cleaner. I didn't say a little cleaner. I said a lot more cleaner. When mm -hmm. I say about that, some more washing. Now just we're talking about basic cleaning. I'm not talking about anything special. I'm talking about grabbing bleaches, a bleach and ammonia and these disinfecting wash wash your hands. Use soap and water. Greatest defense is soap and water. Soap and water. Same thing we use to wipe dirt and the dirt must and uh, the rust those great things off. Soap and water is the greatest defense. Uh the defense that I would use before then is what are we eating? What are we eating? Oranges and some of these things may not be uh, may not be beneficial to some folks out here that like to sell the cures or or like to sell you some drugs or to sell you the greatest um, uh, remedy that they have on their shelf. But oranges, oranges have been found to have uh, like an antibacterial or, 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 or immune boosting uh, piece in it. And I'm talking about just oranges, just regular oranges. 
Um, some old cures I've heard about the oranges recently, which still makes sense, is some people say they would peel an orange, and they would take the peelings and put them in water and boil it, and they actually will inhale the mist of the orange peelings. I heard other folks say they would they would even drink the water that was created from the orange peelings. And you would ask yourself why sometimes. But then again, we look back into it, and we look back into facts. And I'm talking about old facts. When I say old facts, medical, uh, medical, um, the medical marvels or medical discoveries nowadays always tie to somebody's trying to sell somebody something, some cure for high blood pressure, hypertension, cure for the cold, blah, blah, which they seem to not have a cure for the cold. And the cold is also a virus. But what I'm going back, I'm going back anywhere from 60 to a few hundred years or farther if I can find out any information that dictates about viruses. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you remember, but they had something back in I think it was 1913, and it was something known as the. Uh, I guess most folks are calling it the Black Plague, where where I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 1300s. Uh, I got a lot of numbers running through my mind right now, but there was an incident in 1300s where uh, approximately 50 to 70 percent of the population uh, of the world was basically wiped out because of a virus that 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 started overseas and transmitted into the rest of the world by travel of boats. And we talk right now that we're losing approximately 1% of, 1% of the people that's getting infected is dying, which is still a great number. But when we look at things that happen in, in, in time before our times, and history is our greatest indicator of things that could go wrong. Um, wow. Okay, my brain, uh, let me focus back here for a second. Focus back here for a second. Let me get back to the oranges. Excuse me there for a second, but I the misinformation, the misinformation is the, is basically the uh, the worst thing we could have. Um, it, it causes us to do things that make no sense. Causes us to take chances that we we really shouldn't. I mean, we got a we have a, a tremendous amount of older folks when you're trapped in a facility where you cannot leave the facility. And if somebody brings in a foreign foreign organism into the facility, and I'm speaking specifically to nursing homes or, or foster adult foster care homes, ones of a large variety, if one person gets sick, you literally can have everyone in the same facility sick within a, a couple of days to a week, everyone. And I bring, I bring focus to Cook County Jail in, in Chicago. Uh, approximately anywhere from 25 to 40 percent of inmates in Cook County right now uh, is have some corona coronavirus-related illness right now. But of course, um, our beautiful folks in Chicago is denying it basically as that that's being true. And I'm saying this again because wherever people are in direct contact with each other and cannot leave, cannot move, cannot remove themselves as for this social distancing, um, we have issues. Now, being that the best thing you can do, that to stay at home, the stay-in-place orders that, that they're kicking out here to people, that people are being resistant. Uh, yes, there are there is a small majority of people being very resistant to stay-at-home orders. But the stay-at-home orders do one or two things. It limits your exposure to anyone but the folks you're looking at all day long. And so if the folks that's in your household uh, that you're associating with, if they are not sick now, it's almost a guaranteed chance that they will not get sick later unless you break this self-contained uh, uh, self containment element of staying within your own household. 
Um, it's the same thing when one person in your household might end up with a cold. You know that basically everybody else is going to end up with a cold uh, relatively soon because the virus, this virus, which is a cold also, is floating around within the household with that one person with something they touch, something they drink, they sneeze in, even their breathing. They're breathing out minuscule micro droplets of vapor. Uh, I don't want to get too scientific about this, but we it doesn't take much for us to get sick, but also at the same time, it doesn't take much for us to do to stay well. Uh, stay away from folks. Uh, I have a family member that has, uh, that has frequented a household in the last four days that the whole household just went into containment. We're talking 11 people because uh, the caretaker, uh, not the caretaker, the housekeeper, uh, which comes in uh, five days a week, she has coronavirus. And now we have a household with 11 people that, that is on lockdown, uh, and they have to stay that way for approximately 14 days. And everyone's, anybody that uh, exhibits any symptoms or the virus, which could be as much as 29 different symptoms, uh, then they're going to be immediately checked. But right now, it's a, in the black neighborhoods, by the way, minority neighborhoods, uh, our rate to gather this disease is somewhere between three to nine times greater than any other ethnic group right now. And that's all because we cluster or we're in close proximity of each other because okay. that's just the makeup of America right now. Okay, so there was a misnomer out there uh, in the beginning that black people could not catch this uh, coronavirus uh, the COVID-19, uh, we were immune to it. And then all of a sudden, there was even propaganda that was put out on YouTube by black actors and, and activists until uh, all of a sudden uh, we had a couple of black people to die from it. And then now we're finding out that the numbers are higher for African Americans than they are for anybody else. And there's less of us in America than anyone else. You want to well, talk a little bit about that? Well, let's let's uh, let's let's look at this then. One thing we do know right now. See, the numbers, here's the beautiful thing about numbers and facts and information. If you don't if you are not the one gathering these these numbers, if you're not the one that's uh that's compiling uh making up the the fact sheets, then you're going to get bad information. If you're not controlling the television station or the radio stations or any media outlet that's disseminating this information, passing it out, delivering it, giving it, um, you're going to be on the losing end again. Whenever there's incidents in, in, in Caucasian neighborhoods, sometimes you won't hear of them being reported because who would want to report bad news in their own house? But if you hear that there's something going wrong in somebody else's neighborhood or somebody else's household, such as the, uh, the black man's household, well, everybody wants to talk about that, and the first thing they're going to say is, well, we knew they were no good. Now, I'm saying this for the fact because when the, when the, what I call the C-19 or this call, they want to call it COVID-19 or, or coronavirus, when that first supposedly set foot in America, it came from European travelers or Caucasian individuals. Yes, I did say Caucasian individuals traveling from, uh, from Europe or Asia coming back to America. Okay? So it wasn't any black individuals traveling over to Asia or Europe and bringing back something, but it came through some individuals uh, that didn't look like us. But what happened was these individuals, somehow or another, through their transmittal of everybody, their contact with everybody else, they came in contact with folks in our neighborhoods. Now, most suburban 
and inner city has two different makeup. Inner city has close clusters. Suburban has a little spread out factor, okay? Um, when you, uh, how can I say this? Uh, how can I say this? Uh, do, 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 do. Let me say it with, uh, with a little grace here. When somebody brings something into your neighborhood and uh, you don't know it's bad news, but yet you accidentally help it travel or transmit or spread, and nobody's checking to see was the news any good, or in this case, let's say it brought in bad food, and nobody checked to see it was bad food because our neighborhood gets bad food. And people start to get sick from certain things, and nobody's bothering to test and check whether we got sick from anything. It must be something we always get sick from. We just sick. We got hypertension. We got blood pressure. Uh, we caught the flu. We caught a cold. It's nothing important. Now, it becomes important when in other neighborhoods they start to exhibit issues that, that are not making sense. Our neighborhood was not tested. Our African-Americans are dying at a higher rate. The data, has, the data that they decided to release, now, they knew, and CDC had the data about what minority groups in respect was happening in, in Milwaukee County, okay, uh, which is about 27 to 28% black. Uh, it's the, the, cor, the coronavirus rate is 81%, okay, in Chicago. They found that 70, uh, what I'm saying by 81%, I'm, uh, when I say 81%, uh, of the people that got corona, coronavirus, 81% died in Chicago. Uh, 70% of the people who died from corona, uh, coronavirus happen to be black. But the city population in Chicago is only 30%. Detroit has a majority black population. Detroit's population is approximately 670,000 people. Um, we have 47% of the virus-related cases uh, resulting in death. 47% is relating in death. So is the number stacked against us? They're always stacked against us, okay? Uh, when we don't have good information, it, the disease is not a problem until it affects some other type of racial group, and that is the problem now. New York City is catching hell because, once again, we've got folks that's clustered together, not to mention that New York has over 22 million people, okay? That doesn't hurt. 22 million people clustered together uh, with, with high transmittal rates. So one person has the ability to, to infect uh, two to 300 people in a week. Now, two to 300 people in a week, now I know they say one person can infect 40, but in, in New York everything's multiplied by the sheer fact of the number of people. One person infects 200 people in one week. Those 200 people infect just one apiece. And all of a sudden we got well over 400-plus people infected. Now the problem becomes is the next week, we go from 400 people infected into 50,000 people infected. The numbers sound crazy. I mean, what we've been told uh, by Washington, D.C. is not in direct alignment with what's been happening in Italy, what's been happening in Spain, what has happened in China, what is Japan is experiencing right now. I mean, New York, just by itself, New York has more folks that's been infected and more deaths of people than any country in the world, just New York City, than any country in the world. Now, I so, said a country. I, I didn't say a state. I said a country. So my question, because I'm looking at these numbers, are these numbers reflective of Democrats voting? Uh, these, when it comes to 
the Democrats voting or or or, or the Republicans voting. Um, mm-hmm. Our government gets stupid at a time. I mean, this is this is not about you know what's going to happen in the election that's going to occur in November. This is not about whether the Senate will be taken over by the Democrats or or the Democrats will retain the the, the House. This is about people dying. Number one, this is about people getting sick. And when they get sick, it's a 50-50 chance that they might die. Okay? It's also about a vast population has not been tested. Has not been tested. We have folks walking around with with, with symptomatic conditions or, or conditions that's not known to other folks that can spread the disease. So when we talk Democrats not voting, Democrats didn't vote. Because they wanted, supposedly, they wanted to allocate more money in this new stimulus piece for healthcare workers, for law enforcement, for uh, uh, for the for the you and I that's out of work now, or the you and I that that was on part time, you and I struggling, you and I that's we're gonna have more foreclosures happening in the next six to twelve months than we had in the last twelve years. Uh, right now, we have unemployment rate that that will never. I mean, damn, we're talking Great Depression numbers coming this way. Um, and we got a president who wants to open up our. We've got a president who wants to open up the nation to commerce or business uh, on May first. Like it's like you, like the damn disease has a timetable on it. Okay. Instead of being concerned, you can either be concerned with money or you can be concerned with people. And when I say people, you become concerned with the lives and the health of the people, or you're concerned with a damn dollar. So I got an idiot running the country that's concerned with a dollar. Ah, boy, old oh girl. <sighs> you know, you know, so let's 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 give you some closing remarks on what you think that we can do to at least sustain uh because the date keeps moving back and it started off for a week and two weeks now, it's a month now, we're looking at May fifteenth. Um what can our people do to sustain during this time and hopefully come out of this uh, alive? Well, if we want to, what we need to do is the only thing that we as a people should be concerned with. It is the it is the ability. It's two things. Number one is to prevent. If we don't have this particular issue, this virus, is to prevent the ability for anybody with a weakened immune system. This this virus will attack, just like any other virus. Okay. So our things is to is to get in a balance. There are four things. There are four things out here that is known, um, history-wise, known from research, known from uh, from what they discovered over in Asia, is that vitamin C, uh, 200 milligrams a day of vitamin C, which is like I say, the oranges, uh, is an antioxidant and it fights viruses. That's a given. 200 milligrams a day. Now, that's when you're healthy. If you're not healthy, I would probably bump it up to 400 milligrams, double the dose. I'm looking at vitamin D. Vitamin D is a key to immune functions. And that I would probably take, um, I'd probably take 50 to 75 milliliters or uh, milliliters of that a day. We're looking at zinc as number three. Zinc inhibits viruses. It stops them from coming near you. It fights lower respiratory infections. And this, what this particular virus does is it attacks the lungs. Now, the fourth thing I would do is, is, is selenium. That's 
for low levels linked to severe respiratory infections. So what we're doing is we're fighting the ability to fight off a virus, and we're also strengthening our ability of our respiratory systems. So vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and psyllium. These things are just these are things that have been around and been known uh, for hundreds of years to make us uh, to gather a, a case of super immunity. Because when our body is out of balance, when it's out of balance, believe it or not, you can have more nutrients and minerals. You can have more nutrients and minerals that, than you need uh, that would take your body out of balance. So it's a, it's a key between being out of balance and it's a key between being in balance. Too much of anything can injure us. Too little of anything can injure us. So I'm talking back about a balance, and that's the vitamin C. We're talking about the vitamin D. We're talking about zinc, and we're talking about selenium. These are four things. And I've heard people talk about garlic and honey and a few more things. But I'm talking about the, the, the minerals or the vitamins that your body needs to fight off uh, viruses, uh, to make your immune system stronger, and also the things to help your respiratory. Because people that suffer an asthma uh, or respiratory uh, or things that's dealing with the lungs or the sinuses, they catch in hell with this. It really catch in hell with this. Not to mention folks that already have underlying, underlying issues such as hyper, uh, hypertension, high blood pr- pressure. We're talking about uh, diabetes, kidney issues. Those are all weakened immune system sets. But the vitamin C, the vitamin D, the zinc, and the selenium, those are the things. Thank you very much for being on. You know, you always have a wealth of knowledge. I will be calling you tomorrow anyway just so you and I can uh, talk and uh, see how we can, what we can do to continue to do what we're doing. I appreciate you, and I appreciate you doing all the research because, you know, at this time we, we have to check, fact check, and check again the information that we're getting from the secular media. So thank you very much, Mr. Jones, and I appreciate you, and I'll be talking to you. One closing note, sir. One closing note. Closing For your note. folks who want to file, uh, we got it on April 10th, or not April 10th, but this Monday coming. This Monday coming, they're going to open up again uh, for folks who are independent contractors, self-employed, uh, 1099 workers. I know this sounds crazy, but uh, go and fill out your paperwork for unemployment. Okay, fill it out the best you can because they still haven't figured out what is the real criteria rules they're going to use. Fill it out anyway. Fill it out the best you can and submit it because it's the first come, first serve for funding, and that's unemployment benefits. So if, if you say that you made $800 a week, as a self-employed uh, individual, and they approved it, well, they get somewhere between maybe 200 to $379 plus the $600. So remember, you're always going to get this plus $600 if you approve. Regardless of what they approve you for, you're going to get a plus $600. Fill it out. And they have another round for the Paycheck Protection Plan also coming up Monday. So businesses that didn't get in, fill out the paperwork now. And the money will come. We just don't know when. Thank you very much, Mr. Jones. We'll be in touch with you. We thank you, sir. Thank Enjoy you. your night. Thank you. You're listening to the Ombudsman Press Show with your host, Bishop L.J. Guillory. I want to thank you all for listening. I know right now we're we're doing all we can to sustain ourselves. And, you know, I'll just let you know this. If you think that there are not people dying, then I would suggest that you go and start checking on uh, YouTube, and on uh, social media where individual families are getting out and they're telling you 
if they've lost their loved ones. Um, this is not an easy uh, issue to deal with, particularly when it hit home. Uh, so all I can tell you is this. Um, don't put yourself unnecessary situation. Make sure that you um, strap up. Strap up. As my buddy always said, don't be going out there not not without. <laughs> State Representative Julie Jones, welcome to the show. How you doing, young man? My I'm doing nephew. fantastic. How you doing, huh? I'm doing fine, nephew. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. I see you out there with your governor. I see you out there with the people. I see you out there just getting it in. So um, right now, Detroit is is on the list of having the, the most African-Americans like Chicago and L.A. and New York. So as a state representative, what are you all doing? Uh, I, I know what you're doing. So why don't you tell our, our listening audience what you all are doing in, in, in the Detroit area to save some of our, our people. Man. Right. Well, definitely, definitely like how you're saying, you know, while, uh, you know, across the board, um, black population is much uh, lower than the, the, I guess, the, uh, equivalent amount that's getting affected by the, the COVID-19. And so um, basically the biggest thing we've been trying to do here is, is really trying to mobilize resources to really um, help kind of like, you know, flatten the curve for the most part. I think the the biggest thing that I've been doing recently is, is demanding um, that, you know, these hospitals and that these agencies and whatnot uh, put forth actual credible data uh, and keep running estimates of everything that's going on. Um, in terms of, you know, of course, the cases that are there, the deaths that we have, but also the amount of people recovering, um, the hot spots, uh, different things of that nature, so we can learn how to better track what's going on. Um, I mean, we've, we've called in the National Guard to help out with humanitarian efforts so we can relieve some of the stress off our first responders and uh, some of the other people that are essential workers. Uh, but I think the, the biggest thing right now is really just tapping into all our uh, folk who are, you know, in the faith community, for example, or, or everyone that's willing to get involved that can help out. Uh, with this, you know, from regular people to influencers on a major scale, I'm just encourage people really to stay at home. Because uh, I think right now, although, uh, you know, the COVID has been around for a while and we've seen all these cases going up, um, I think since we're testing people at such a, uh accelerated rate now, that's how we're seeing the cases fluctuate, um, you know, even higher than where they are before. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite sure that we're at a, a position right now where we actually um, – have quite a, a large bit of the population affected by um, the coronavirus. And so I think the biggest thing really is helping people uh, keep in mind that, you know, it's not a death sentence, but the reason we're asking everyone to shelter in place basically is so we can, you know, kind of stop the spread from occurring any further. Uh, so, that's, I mean, those are really the biggest thing, but I think that the most important part is really that data piece, uh, trying to figure out how do we track it. Um, and of course we know it's happening to black people because traditionally we've been, um, the victims of environmental injustice, uh, you know, of criminal justice, of, of job discrimi discrimination, all these different things. So, you know, when you have essential workers, people who are exposed, uh, those are usually our jobs, these remote um, jobs and, you know, all these things that allow you to work from home traditionally aren't available in our community. And so I think we've, we've been exposed at an alarming rate and it's been affecting us, taking a great toll on us. That's why it's so important for us to uh, get these business resources and expand unemployment and all these health benefits um, just so we can really um, increase some assistance to people in our community. Wow. You know, I'm very proud, nephew, when I see you 
You wear many hats. You're uh, one of the reservists. You're a reserve police officer. You're a state representative. You're very active in your church. You know, and when I look at many of the uh, police officers and first responders and nurses and doctors that are becoming infected, uh, becoming positive, and, you know, I'm looking at our community, how some people are, they have the understanding. Others out there, and they're giving them a hard time. Now, I don't care if the person is black, white, green, purple, or yellow. If you're out there and a police officer is asking for your information, there's a video that just went viral. And I was very embarrassed. Uh, You know, the young man was telling me, you don't have a right to have to know my name. He says, man, I I need to know your name. Just write it down for me so I can win. And the guy, Mm -hmm. you don't have a right to do this. So when he pulled him out the car, he went to fight with the police officer, and they were videotaping. Now, if it were me in that response, I probably would have arrested all of them or pepper sprayed them or, you know. And I'm thinking, why would anybody make it even more difficult? In our community, sometimes we hear something, and we Mm -hmm. think that we have rights that go beyond the rights that we truly have. Correct. And, and, when, and when you have black officers uh, that are out there that have their black families at home, you know, you don't make it any better if you make it difficult for his partner or for him in order to even give you a pass. Right, if you don't right. have a, a valid reason for being out there, why do you have your ass out there in the first place? A car right. full of people, you know, just riding around. All of you guys are not riding around to go to the store because there wouldn't be no room in the car for the food. You know, right. <laughs> so, so I, I really need to get the message out to our people that you know this is real. Uh, people are dying, and let's have a little respect for the people that are putting their lives on the line, so that when you do dial nine one one, there's right. someone there to respond. Fact, you know, fact. and I, and, I, and I think that's I mean that's that's critical. I even was just talking to the governor the other day, and I know she forwarded the info to her team. And so I was talking to some folk in the law enforcement community about. Of course, you know, we're talking about hazard pay for essential workers because, um, I mean, from everyone, because we even just had, a, you know, a bus driver um, in Detroit had had the story he got on, made a, a video about, you know, people getting on the bus and coughing and really just um, disregarding the social distancing measures that were, you know, put into place and whatnot. He actually ended up dying, you know, a few days later. And then you have your, the folks in your law enforcement community, like you were saying, who are kind of at a disadvantage because, uh for stops or, or some kind of check-ins that just happen to go bad and they happen to run into it or, or from anything else. Um, I know we're, we're talking about hazard pay. We're talking about um, allowing coronavirus to be a job-related illness that does happen so we can actually take care of these families because a lot of people um, who are losing, you know, their, their, their husbands or wives or their children and whatnot um, who are on the front line doing good work for us, uh, it's essentially nothing set up really to to really support that family after um, that person uh, is deceased after they pass away. And so I think that's something else that we're trying to do to figure out how can we really uh, make families whole in the event that something terrible happens uh, to one of their loved ones. I just said, wow. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you're there thinking. I'm glad that we have the opportunity to have you to represent us as a community, nephew, uh, they're representing law enforcement, representing um, us as human beings. And I'm hoping that this situation will bring us together as a human race. Right. 
and, and, and let's stop being separate. Stop seeing everyone as a foreigner when we're all foreigners to this country. Correct. You know, and uh, so let me ask you this. When there was this misnomer that the that the National Guard was coming down to lock everybody up, put them in a female camp. How were you able, as a uh, uh, as a a reserver, how were you able to get information that that's not true, uh, to bust up some of these myths, uh, the conspiracies that are out there? Well, I think first and foremost, you know, I, I have no shame in telling anyone what I do, and so I'm very transparent with, with the different roles that I wear. So, uh, you know, many times when people are hearing about stuff, I was getting a, a, I was inundated with messages, quite frankly, of them sending me, you know, the, the propaganda flyers and posts and just asking me, hey, is this really true? And so I think since people realized, you know, the positions I was in, they said, hey, you know, I, I think you was a part of National Guard. Let me check with him. You know, he's he's on the state. He's with the state. Let me check with him. And so that was one way I was able to kind of intercept some of these messages and cut them off before, you know, they became a big thing. But I think at any given point in time with social media and the way that word travels so fast, because I was even getting messages the night before we had our uh, stay-at-home uh, policy going in place. They're talking about, hey, lock your lock your windows and doors at 11:40. Helicopters are going to be, you know, flying around, releasing uh, disinfectant in the, in the atmosphere. And and I think just uh, so many times the thing is to help to stay calm. Um, like you said, you know, we got to be optimistic. We're going to get through it. It's serious for sure. People are actually dying. Um, but if we actually just pay attention, utilize common sense, and just do what we know we need to do. Um, to live, I think that will be fine. Um, and, and just kind of trying to discredit some of these fallacies that people fall into so many times. You know, on social media, uh, it's, it's just like the scams that happen to some of, you know, our our senior citizens sometimes or, or other people that might be susceptible to it. Uh, I think the key really is just preparing for some of these things. Uh, so when some of this propaganda, some of this false information comes out, people are already familiar with it saying, hey, uh, this can't be Troy all. Um, and so we're going to discredit right now. We're going to stop it, make sure we're not um, the folks that's spreading it. And I think that was kind of a campaign that we started um, through word of mouth, the same way that the word got out um, about all this false information. We had to do the same thing to make sure that we retracted um, that narrative to make sure people weren't super concerned. Because, uh, like, you know, even in Detroit, we had the, the riots in 67, 68, uh, when the National Guard came in. And so when people heard about the National Guard coming in, especially some of our you know, more seasoned citizens, they were thinking about, man, I've, I've been through this before. I'm never going to forget that barrel that was stuck in front of my face by one of the National Guardsmen in Detroit for no reason at all. So we had to do a lot to make sure that when we made the statements about the National Guard coming in for humanitarian efforts, um, that was going to be nothing like that. You know, we even taking steps to um, get different, uh, to basically modify the uniform um, and make sure the soldiers aren't carrying any weapons just so people can kind of see that they're here simply to help, not to harm. Wow. Um, so the, the NAACP uh, had a teleconference, and uh, the teleconference was more than 17,000 people. And I was really, really elated to be a part of it because uh, the, the Speaker of the House was on, uh, many of the uh, the people that 
have information regarding the stimulus from the Treasury Department. They have people on from CDC. Um, and they're going to be having a conference call every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I definitely want to get that to you, which I just sent to you. Uh, okay. it's BET and the NAACP, um, the uh, Congressional Black Caucus chairperson, uh, Karen Bass from Los Angeles, Congresswoman, was very instrumental in putting many of us that are on the front line, the churches and the the, the uh agencies that are working uh, with those individuals, those seniors, those veterans, those homeless people, to make us a part of the call as well so that information can be disseminated to us to be disseminated into the community. But one of the things that that hit me is when she said, listen, many of the congresspersons who are on this phone, they can't go out and be a part of the frontline work because they're in their 80s. Right, right. So it's time for us to enlist those individuals whom are going to be replacing us, the millennials. And the first thing right. we thought about was you. Um, and, uh, you know, when they had said, well, Mr. Jones is on, I thought, uh oh, there go my nephew. And they said, well, it was Vanden. <laughs> I like him. He, he does a lot of good work. But I, I, the first thing I did is when I got off, I contacted the former. Uh, regional director with the Justice Department, uh, CSR, and I said, listen, you guys need to get in contact with uh, my nephew, who is a state representative, uh, getting ready to go on his third term. Um, We need to have young millennials involved in in doing this because it's one thing for you all to get on and tell us about what happened in the 40s. (laughs) I'm being facetious. But Hmm. it's another thing for the young people to come on and tell us what we have to do to get in contact and to communicate with the young people today. That's one of the things that Bernie was able to do is, you know, they set him up um, to have the Black Lives Matter to attack him, but he ended up making right. friends with him. And before you know it, he had the millennials as his, his, his soldiers. So right. I, I would like to know what can we do uh, to pass the baton to your generation so that you all can not only deal with this, but be ready and prepared. On your social medias, uh, you have a lot of followers. You have a lot of people that are listening to you. We're going to have Reza on the show later on tonight. And, um, you know, he has a lot of followers. So we're right. trying to make sure that uh, we turn the platform over to you so that you all can address those most paramount issues. Are you still a part of the Young Millennials? Yes. Great. Great. Well, I'm going to let you close out. Tell me, is there anything that you you want, any website you want to send people to? Is there any information that you all uh, can can give to California residents of what you all have done there to try to sustain? So, I mean, and just to, just to respond a bit to your 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 first uh, statement and question um, about what folks can do to pass the baton. I think the key really right now is just um, being able to empower folks um, and, and be able to give us different opportunities. I think the, the biggest thing right now is just uh, that so many people are left out the conversation. And so we had to get back into that mindset of meeting people where they're at. And so just, just, you know, taking some, some time to do our due diligence, getting in the community, 
meet the folks that are the, you know, the superstars and some of our, uh, you know, young people that's up and on, on their way. I think if we can reach back and pull them up um, and support them in, in, you know, whatever way it makes sense, I think that'd probably be the biggest thing in terms of passing the torch. Um, but, I mean, beyond that, what we've done here, uh, as I'm sure everyone is doing across the nation, uh, we've set up different hotlines. We, ha- you know, we have something called 211, which is a dial-in hotline with the United Way. Um, that basically um, condenses all the resources into one area. And we have, you know, people sitting at the phones to help connect people in their local communities, whatever resources, you know, from shelter to food to uh, to a plethora of different things. And so um, that's one thing. But I think the key right now is really just getting back to that mindset of, of living in the community, you know, checking in on your neighbors, on your people, making sure everyone's good um, and intact. I would say that's the biggest thing we can do right now, um, aside from staying in, staying home, uh, and making sure, you know, just because we're supposed to stay at home doesn't mean you shouldn't go outside. Definitely go outside on the porch, breathe some fresh air in. Um, but while you're doing that, check in on your people. Uh, just to make sure they're good. Uh, and I mean, that's about all I got. Thank you very much. I appreciate you and love you. Care of yourself and call me if you need anything. All right. Love you too. Take care. All right, now. Peace. Peace. So we're going to continue with our um, information that we're giving to you. We hope that you can uh, find uh, the necessary peace within yourself to help you get through this. You know, they used to say um, that when you lock a person in a cell by themselves, they go stir crazy or they become that genius that they were always supposed to be because – you know, unfortunately, when you're stuck with yourself, <laughs> you, you get to smell, see, feel everything that you are doing and that you get to see who you are. And uh, some of us don't like that. Some of us like it very well that we embrace it. So um, take this time to do some self-reflection to make yourself the best person that you can be. And more importantly, um, get through this. Get through this. Uh, we hear a lot about uh, the people that are dying, but we don't hear a lot about the people that are living through it. You can live through this. You have the will. You have the, the, the desire to stay, uh, use your common sense, listen to the advice of the old uh, wise men and women that have lived through something. You can get through it, or you can – Take that doomsday approach. Well, we all, woe is me, woe is me. You know if you have asthma. You know if you have low self, uh, uh, low immune system. You know if you have some of the things that are precursors to, to having pneumonia. Don't get out there. Don't allow people around you. Take care of yourself. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Please know that there's no sky going to open up and no blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus is going to come flying down to save you. You're going to have to save yourself. You're going to have to save your family. You're going to have to do the things that are necessary to be around if you want to be around. Other than that, yeah, I guess you can lay down and say, it got me. You know, it got me. Uh, For those who don't believe that you can die from it, uh, my brother, my brother passed away a few years ago 
with regular pneumonia. You know, he was a diabetic. He allowed himself to get sick, and he had a less than normal wife that uh, didn't see that he got to the hospital in time. And uh, you can die from regular pneumonia, so you definitely can die from this. Take your your boosters, take your vitamin C, your vitamin D, you know, and just because you're not supposed to be out in the public doesn't mean you can't go in your backyard and get some vitamin D sun when the sun is out. Doesn't mean that you can't uh, get on your treadmill or get on your bike and, and get a good sweat. You know, your lungs need to work. And anything that you can do to make, um, you know, that pain, uh, it works. Exercise yourself. Exercise yourself. Um, What can I say? What can I say? So um, we have um, the... President of the Los Angeles City Council, Herb Wesson. Uh, just going to be calling in pretty soon here. Uh, Herb is the emeritus president to the Los Angeles City Council and soon to be our next supervisor for the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors in the great city of Los Angeles, county of Los Angeles. And there we go. Hello. How are you, Bishop? Herb oh, President, I'm fine. I'm fine. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Well, you know, uh, hanging in there and working hard, trying to make uh, uh, things easier for as many people as possible. Mr. Speaker, uh, you have so many hats that you have worn. And when I look at you, um, and I see you out there slinging boxes of food, doing what you did 20 and 30 years ago. You've been in the game for a long time, working in, in, in the field and helping people. Um, this is different than anything that we've been through before. True. Um, what, 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 I'm just going to open up the mic to you. You tell me what you're doing, how you're doing it, and, and what should we be doing? Well, a couple of things I'll just bring up. You know, earlier on when it, when this uh, crisis first began, there were individuals on social media and the Internet suggesting that uh, this virus did not affect uh, African Americans. And I just want to say that that is totally untrue. When you look at statistics from across this country, you will see that we are being adversely affected the most in some states. Louisiana, the uh, death rate, or 70% of the people that have died uh, are African Americans. In the city of Chicago, where you have less than a third uh, African American population, but yet 72% of the people have died. So for the African Americans and other people of color and people that come from uh, economically challenged areas, they need to realize that we are at risk. We need to take this seriously. We need to take care of ourselves. Wash your hands. Stay indoors. 
wear a mask, you know, do the things that you have to do to uh, keep yourself healthy. So that's one thing that is important. We need to dispel that myth. I don't know uh, if, if you'd heard that, but that is a big issue. I definitely heard it, and I definitely uh, got right on the air and started telling them, uh, you know, uh, people that I knew that were in New York that were African-American that did have it, were positive, and some of the doctors that uh, I know um, that passed away from it. You know, uh, we have a network in, in, in um, uh, Houston uh, and, and New York and California of doctors, black doctors that have been working on front lines. As you know, for many years, you work with, with the doctors over at MLK and at Augustus Hawkins and over at Drew, you know, and uh, so uh, we, are been, we have been able to try to dispel that. And yeah, well, uh, that's important that we keep doing that, Bishop. It's so yes, important. Yes, sir. What are some of the other things that you think that we should be doing right now? Well, uh, one thing that's important, another thing that's important is, you know, we prior to this crisis, we had our homeless crisis. So we need to make sure we do everything that we can so that we don't increase uh, those numbers. That's why in the city of Los Angeles, we're working with uh, tenants and landlords to make sure that uh, the, the tenants have a 12-month cushion in which they can pay if they get behind in their rents. A lot of leases call for only one or two individuals to be in the house. We have altered that so that during this crisis, if you need to bring your, your mother to live with you and her dog, you can do that and not be in violation of, of your, your lease. So we've got to do everything that we can to try to keep from adding to the individuals that are on the, the street. And, and this is the time for all of us. You know, we live in basically the, the city of angels or the county of angels. It's time for us to find our inner angel and do the best that we can to help others. That's why I've been doing it. If I was in front of you, I'd salute you for all of the work that you're doing to help not just veterans, but anyone in need. Uh, today, I just had a diaper giveaway of over 200,000 diapers. I've done that that twice we're close to a half a million diapers that we've given to, you know, uh, families that uh, have lost their jobs. So many people are, are out of work. We've been feeding seniors, and, and at least that makes my heart feel good because under situations like this, it either brings out the best in you or brings out the worst in you. I've been seeing a lot of our best. You know, I, I am. I want to applaud you. I want to salute you. Um, I, I don't. We don't have uh, very many uh, African American leaders in our community that are even out. Uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm one of the ones that always call people on the carpet. When I mean out, I mean even, even concerned um, enough to be out doing what you're doing. I see you out feeding the people. This is not, you know. Uh, a, a photo op. You're out there because you care. You always have been there, and you're the first that we can call 
and say, what do we do? And the first thing is, what do you need? Well, how can I help you? Well, we need true, authentic leadership now. We need, as Mary Hennings used to say back in the day, we need the real, the real stuff. And I'm glad that you would take the time and put the people first. I, I, I can't tell you how, how it hurts my heart when we get to the door and we're giving a box to a disabled veteran or a senior citizen, yeah. and you look around and you see the pictures of family members, and, and, you, and you wonder, where are they? Why aren't they taking care of the seniors? I see these nuts running up and down the road, driving crazy, and but they're not out to help. They're just out because they're out. And I keep telling people, stay at home. If you're not yeah. out helping people, you know, you shouldn't be out at all. You should not be out at all. Then we have these these other uh, 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 crazy people arguing and fighting with the police about you can't do this to me and I have a right. And the police is telling them, "Listen, man, you're not even supposed to be out here. You're not going to a store. You're not. You haven't given me a name of a company that you're working for for or anything." But I want to let people know we care about our police officers. We care about our doctors and our nurses that are dying on the front lines just as much as we care about you. Yes. So if you're not a part of the solution, stay at home. Well, that would make things safer for everyone. I mean, the the, the life that you lose might might be your own, or <laughs> it could be of somebody that you really love. You right. know, because you're ripping and running the streets, you may give something to your grandmother or right. to your aunt who helped raise you. And so we do need to be uh, very, very uh, careful. And and for me, you know, I've been blessed. I've had some phenomenal jobs and some phenomenal titles uh, in, in my professional career, but I have always been just a very ordinary guy. I know what it's like to sit around the kitchen table trying to figure out how you're going to pay your bills. I know what it's like to live on the margins. So that's why I feel I have a responsibility to do what I can, and I'm, I, I'm just so pleased we have so many individuals that are, are giving us product that we can give to the people. So when, when I'm out, I'm out helping somebody. If, if I don't have anything uh, to help someone with, then my butt is at home. Okay, and yes, I'm going stir crazy, and I'm watching crazy things on television. But when I'm not, when I'm not on the phone, you know, when I'm not working, I am in my house uh, with my wife and my two dogs. Well, we appreciate you, and we definitely let Mrs. Weston know that we appreciate her sharing you with us, even at this Thank time. You. I said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm out here in the streets. I'm out here. Uh, from Watts to Compton to Los Angeles to Carson to Long Beach uh, to Lo- uh, uh, Bellflower to Paramount. I, I, I can see the people who are out here uh, helping. And yeah, you're it, everywhere. But it, it, it irritates me when I see the same people, you and others, the same people out helping, but I have these other people living in their Taj Mahals talking about they, they I've talked to the governor. Well, good. I'm glad you talked to the governor because the homeless are still homeless downtown L.A., and they're hungry, and the people down in Watts are still needing things, and the people, like you said, the baby, nobody's thinking they grabbed all this toilet paper and all of the paper towel off the racks 
and nobody was thinking about uh, 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 Pampers. So I was glad to see you out there, the practical things that people need that they didn't get, and now they need it, you were providing it. And I, I just, you know, brother, I, I, I have always honored you. I've always admired the way that you do things. And I remember uh, when they said that after Willie Brown, we would never have a black man to be the Speaker of the House again in the state of California. And then there was you. Boy, I tell you. (laughs) That's a blessing. It was a blessing from God or either a curse from the devil for the the amount of work that I had to do. But I I believe that each and every one of us was placed on this earth to do something. And my job is to try to help. I'm here to try to serve. And um, that's why I exist. And yes. it is an honor to do that. It, you know, and speaking of Compton, we gave away, uh, 20, uh, I think, close to 35,000 Pampers in in Compton and the unincorporated area okay. in Count, Compton today. So Not we're doing the best we can yeah. to try to help. Yes, you are. Um, now, 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 Mr. President, I, I know that you – are a very modest person and you don't toot your own horn. There's some yeah. issues right now where our people are saying, um, you know, this this $1,200 or $600, they don't know how long this situation is going to last. And you have been on the phone. You have been fighting not only for the people not to be evicted from their home, but you've been doing a lot of things that, that that's under just to be able to help our, help the people, right, the poor people. Yes. Um, what can we do to help you help us? You well, know, well, uh, that's a very good question, and I'm glad that that you asked it. You know, we're out delivering food to seniors, and and these protective face masks, and pampers, and diapers, and whatever we can. But as we're doing this, as we're trying to help people get by day to day, we've got to be thinking long term. So I've uh, uh, tried, I've joined a movement, you know, called the People's Bailout. And what we're trying to do is to ensure that as the federal government keeps uh, uh, delivering on stimulus packages, that they do one where it is people focused. So what we're trying to do is to get Washington, D.C. to talk about something that's Franklin Delano Roosevelt-esque. Let us have jobs, government jobs with a livable wage and uh, health benefits, and let's come up with programs so that when we come out of this, that anybody that wants to work, that we can put them into some type of a government job where they're helping rebuild our infrastructure or helping to turn our economy to be a green economy. We need to talk about really creating public banks that are banks that are are really people's banks. They're not banks that are in this banking business for profit. So I think that as we day-to-day get through this crisis, we need to be preparing for the future when we come out of this economy. 
you know, I appreciate that there are going to be people that are going to get $1,000 checks and $1,200 uh, checks, but that money will be gone in a blink of an eye. So what we really need to do is figure out a way to take people that want to work and give them real jobs, at least on a temporary basis. Wow. Wow. That is that's important. I was talking to my nephew, Jewel Jones, uh, uh-huh. in, down there in Detroit, and he was talking to the governor last week, and he told her um, that it was important. He's a police officer, uh, reserver. He is a uh, Army reserver um, uh-huh. with his jobs. And he was saying that, you know, it's important now that they had so many police officers and so many doctors and nurses in New York to die from this, that there's legislation that will take care of these the people's family, that if they die from this virus, that it is a work-related uh, uh, death, and their families can be taken care of. Because if there's nothing in legislation, then, of course, who's going to take care of them? So that's something that I, I definitely want to make sure that uh, Governor Newsom, uh, when he's talking to you and ask you what do you what do you think that we put that on the table because I hadn't thought about it but it is something to think about you know we had well, our first go ahead well, you know you know what bishop it's the situation that we're in right now not just in this country but in the world that the whole planet it's as if we are at war it's no bombs no bullets but it's as if we are at war So when you're talking about frontline responders, police, fire, uh, medical personnel, and I would take it farther out than that, you know, the grocery workers are frontline, you know, responders. They they come in contact with hundreds and hundreds of people a day, The, the, the bus drivers, the truck drivers. But at a time of war, they used to have something called hazard pay. We may want to look at some kind of hazard pay for these individuals that are out there, uh, you know, keeping us safe, making sure that uh, we have the essentials that we need to live. Like we're, you and I at the beginning of the program, we were just saying, okay, now, if you can stay home, stay home. But a grocery worker can't. They got to be on the job. They're going to see a thousand people. Doctors can't. They're going to be on that job. They're going to see whoever comes in and nurses and the clerical staff and everything. So these people, uh, even though their uniforms may look different, they are soldiers in this fight to save the planet. And um, I do think I agree with you that we should look at some form of hazard pay or bonus because they deserve it. Yes, yes. See, that's why that's that's why we have you as our leader. Let me ask you this, sir. Yes. You you go all the way back. You go all the way back in terms of of, of when we start looking at uh, the leaders that we knew um, in the seventies, in the eighties, in the nineties. What do you see different now? We have more blacks uh, in the uh, California state legislature. We have more blacks as uh, elected uh, to Congress, but it seems as though we have less 
um, political liquidity. It, it, it's it's like um, the conversations around us are minuscule. Um, everybody's talking about if what we need to do to get Mr. Biden elected, but uh-huh. I, I want to know what should we be asking for. Uh, from the vice president that he's going to choose, what should we be asking for the party? What should we be asking for? You know, if we don't have people like you at the table, then we probably won't even get anything. Well, I, I appreciate the compliment, but I, I I can't say enough about the colleagues uh, that I serve with. But the reality of the situation is every elected official is different. Every elected official has uh, different different styles. But I believe that we have uh, brilliant, uh, operative elected officials at every level of government in every state. I think that what we need to do is come up with an agenda right. that, that, that helps uh, put us on uh, at least a slightly more equal playing field. Right. Earlier in your program, you and I spoke about the percentage of, of, of individuals that are of color that are dying. And I'm telling you, if African-Americans are right up there at the top of the list, you can bet your bottom dollars right with us or right below us are Latinos as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I would believe the reason why our numbers are higher is because of a failed public health system that mm-hmm. has inequities or disparities where it relates to the treatments of people that come from poor areas and individuals that look like you, that look like me, and that look like the Latinos in this country. One of the things that I would like to see us push for, because everybody is looking at this virus, everybody's going to see the statistics that say that black people are, are high dying at a disproportional rate. They're dying at that rate because the health system, the public health system, has failed them. So let's change the, the health system to make mm-hmm. sure that we have the kind of preventative care that individuals from other parts of town have. Let's mm-hmm. make sure that as we're bailing out this country, we recognize the reason why this is the greatest country, even with our flaws and we're not perfect. The reason why this is the greatest country is because of the people. So let's yeah. do something to help the people. When this is over, give them a doggone job. Yeah. Do, what, do what President Franklin Delano Roosevelt did. Now, did it change everything? No, but it inspired this country. It provided hope, and that's what we're going to need when we begin to find ourselves coming out of this crisis. I know that um, we don't have but a few more minutes with you, so let me say this. Um, I noticed that you've always been healthy. You've always been this little thin, in-shape guy that could run run circles around people. And that's one of the problems that we have in the black community is that we're not eating healthy. And it took my nephew going vegan to even really make me realize what, bad meat was doing sitting in my body for so long we have to have start a narrative where we talk about good health you know and that starts with good public health where you have regular checkups 
where right. your your doctor can tell you the types of things that you I mean, all of us can eat just about anything. You just have to do it in moderation. You can't have these ridiculous portions. You know, what what I did, I lost 12 pounds, uh, you know, based on advice from my doctor. So I, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, I have my weaknesses and things that I shouldn't do, but I try to have a balanced diet and watch what I eat. But that's something that our kids need to learn, you know, when they're in elementary school. It's much easier to teach them then than when they're 30, 40 years old and used to eating pork chops every day. Right. Well, you, you, you said it right, and I'm glad that you said it because we're taught the bad habits. I remember getting the, the, the uh, uh, cinnamon roll for lunch. Uh, I remember the cookies, uh, you know, chocolate chip cookies and, and peanut butter cookies that they served at the school for lunchtime. Yeah, um, I love them. You know, I love them too. I, mean, those I, big old... I would dip them in milk, boy. I get the <laughs> line real early because if you got it the line early, they uh-huh. just came out of the oven. Yeah. And boy, yeah. you dip that in some milk, and you could go to go to town. I I remember my 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 backpack having the the uh, peanut butter cookie stain, where I put put it in my back pocket, my backpack, and I just put the books on top of it, and it just made a stain in it. I know. But, um... I know. <laughs> Doc, you were talking about the the giveaways that you've been doing in yes. throughout the communities, um, and there has been. I want to thank uh, the the California uh, Los Angeles Regional Food Bank, Elizabeth over there, who has given plenty of food away to the community. And I want to thank you and others that have gotten the governor and the legislature, California legislature, to give them a great big grant so yes. they could make that food available. Um, let's talk about the homeless for a moment. What can we do during this situation to help our homeless in downtown LA? Well, I think the, you know, that, that government and a lot of nonprofit agencies were, were doing as much as they thought they could and thinking creatively to try to come up with ways to help, uh, the homeless. I know that on my government office parking lot, I'm almost I've almost completed uh, building a facility out of storage containers where I'll be able to house 18 uh, women who are homeless that are survivors of domestic violence, and I'm excited about that. But one thing that again this crisis has done. It has shined a light on the uh, homeless situation. And number one, the most important thing that we have to do is get a overwhelming consensus from the community that we want to solve this problem. And that's one thing that has been highlighted by this COVID-19 crisis. And I think me moving forward, we will have more support from the residents of this city and this county, you know, and that is important. But we need to come up with ways when, if an individual has a substance abuse problem and they're living on the street or they have a mental health problem and they're living on the street, sometimes they have both problems. When they come and ask for help, 
We need to be able to be in a position to give them help within 24 hours while while they are experiencing those moments of clarity and they ask for help. When you tell them, well, come back on Wednesday at 10 o'clock, I can help you, their whole mindset might change by then. So one of the most important things that we're going to have to do where it relates to the homeless is come up with a way to respond to their needs quicker when they ask for help. The other thing that we have not focused a lot of attention on, and we're beginning to do, to do that now, we've got to focus on stopping homelessness before it starts. Individuals that are having problems keeping their homes or apartments, that's where we need to come up with grants and no-interest loans and low-interest loans and then give them some counseling to help them straighten out financially. That's where a real jobs program comes in where people make a livable wage and have health insurance. That's how you keep people in their homes. But I'm, I'm just I'm praying and I'm hopeful that this crisis will help build the army of support that we need so that we can build locations for them to stay sprinkled throughout the county of Los Angeles and give them the services that they need. Thank you very much. God bless you, and I'll be back in touch. Well, God bless you, and thank you for all you, you're doing, and thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Okay, good night. Good night. Welcome to the show. We have uh, Mr. Riza Islam, my brother, my nephew. What's going on, Unc, how you doing, sir? All is well, man. i just doing you know, my best at this time to bring solutions to the people. So how's everything going with yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Passing out food, doing everything that we can to make this thing uh, work for our people, give them food and water and juice while they're on lockdown. The seniors and the veterans and the disabled veterans and the those that are in our communities, we have to take care of them. Absolutely, as you always do. So I've been seeing you out there. You've been giving a lot of knowledge. You've been dropping a lot of knowledge on social media. I want to give you a little opportunity to drop some knowledge on the Ombudsman Press Show. Tell us what you got. What's going on? Absolutely. The first thing that everyone should know is that the primary thing that we need to focus on is keeping our immune systems strong at this time. Uh, The vast majority of people who are spreading information, they are spreading a large amount of misinformation due to fear as well as due to a lack of actual facts being given by the mainstream media as well as some of the alternative media. So you want to make sure that your immune system is strong. That is the number one thing that is the facts when it comes to this. That way you don't have to be scared or afraid or, you know, kind of running around like a chicken with your head cut off because that's what they're promoting is so much fear, 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 which at the end of the day, the overall purpose is to push mandatory vaccinations. So uh, doing things that keep the immune system strong like steaming, taking high levels of vitamin C, lots of water, exercise. You want to break up the mucus that's in the body because that's what this does, is it hardens the mucus within the respiratory system. And the information that I received came directly from a whistleblower who works between Emory Institute and the CDC. And they told me that this is a mixture of the COVID-19 or coronavirus-19 and a mixture of SARS. So this is a SARS-coronavirus mixture. 
and that it hardens and crystallizes the mucus. So the major thing you want to do is heat up the internal um, temperature of the body by drinking hot soups, inhaling steam with essential oils like eucalyptus, etc., and stay away from mucus-forming foods, fried foods, and lots of dairy. Stay away from that stuff. Take lots of ginger, uh, elderberry, black seed oil, colloidal silver. You want to take all these different types of things to keep the immune system up, and you'll be perfectly fine. You know, clean the air around you with sage and incense. Keep the air purified. Get as much exercise and cardio as possible because that's the main thing that's going to keep this thing solved and keep it down, especially when it comes to the black community. So you say you talked to a whistleblower. Yes. You've been in communication with people to know that you know that this is not, this is warfare. Absolutely. This is warfare. Talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Well, the first thing people really want to understand and, and know at this time is though this popped up, supposedly, this is not the first strain of the coronavirus. The coronavirus is a family of viruses. The coronavirus itself has existed well over 40 years. Corona itself means crown because of how it looks under a microscope, but it existed for over the last 40 plus years, and this is the newest, most mutated strain of the virus. And even though it popped up, certain people are saying in China, China, Japan, and Korea are all saying that it started in America in one of the laboratories, which is the United States Bioweapons Division Laboratory at Fort Detrick, Maryland, is what they are saying. But that is a a bioweapons division laboratory in America that has created certain viruses before, so the likelihood of it popping up there is not too far-fetched. It's not a you know, far-off idea, but that has not been confirmed. So it went from China through Iran, and it hit Iran, and then, of course, it hit Italy. These are all connected because America went to Iran to get the 55 billion barrels of oil there and tried to have agreements to get that because we all know that America needs lots of oil. But again, China had investments in Iran, and so did Italy as well as Russia. But recently, Donald Trump had discussions with Vladimir Putin in Russia, and they kind of resolved some issues. But China, Italy, and Iran were not necessarily having good agreements with America. So for this to pop up in China, it's very interesting. And it's also very interesting how to get rid of certain people in China, get rid of certain people in Iran, and get rid of certain people in Italy. All of that would actually bring a high advantage to the West or to the, to the United States and bring an advantage in getting oil and having business advancements in Iran towards that oil. So I'm just these are just things that we have to connect, and a bioweapon is something that can be used and has been used constantly by America for foreign nations and by other nations towards other nations as well. Um, it's one of the best and easiest ways that you can invade a territory without them looking at it as an invasion by a foreign power other than looking like some uh, mutated form of nature, something that happened by nature or by happenstance when it was created and strategically injected at a certain period of time. So that is definitely a fact, which is this is not some happening of nature entirely. Nature is a part of it, but nature is not the only factor in it. And that's something that people really want to know also is to pay attention to how they use these things and at the times they use them in. But now it's backfiring, just like we were taught, you know, by Minister Farrakhan that 
You know, they may plan to do things that are wicked, but Allah plans, and Allah is the best of planners. God will always use something for his glory, and he will use something to do what what is towards his agenda, even though those who are evil and wicked have their own. So that's what we're witnessing now is America falling slowly but surely, the government, not the people, but this government because of the wickedness that they have been planning to do for a very long time. Yes. So what can the people do? do you think, um, to stay alive and to be able to withstand right now under the circumstances that we're in? Very good question. I'll say very easy solutions. Number one, they're all of a sudden saying that this is a disease or virus that is attacking black people, which I find very interesting seeing how in less than 48 hours they're saying it's affecting us more than anyone else when it was just taking out Italians you know, to the tunes of hundreds within hours, but that's fine. They're saying it's it's a disease that mainly affects us. I don't believe that, but for those in the black community and all other communities, number one, you want to stay away from fast food as much as possible because those are contributing to the factors that we are dealing with, which is our underlining medical condition. The diabetes, as Dr. Fauci was saying, the hypertension, asthma, all these different things, fast food is contributing to those conditions which are being exaggerated and are being played upon by the virus. So we're not being infected more than anyone else, but when we do get infected, the likelihood of of it taking us out is high because of our overall medical condition that already exists. So we have to get rid of fatty foods, get away from lots of dairy, get away from most meat. So most fast food, get away from that. We have to drink a lot more water, take high every day, get more ginger in what we're eating and what we're drinking. We want to do steaming. So you can get a pot of water, boil it, put a few drops of eucalyptus oil in it, put a towel over your head, and inhale deeply into the lungs so that it can liquefy the mucus. And when it, when it comes up, cough it up and spit it out. Don't swallow it, anything like that. Blow it all out of your body because the heat on the inside and the respiratory system will break up the mucus and it won't survive. The other thing is you want to take high levels of minerals. So you want to get sea moss capsules or the sea moss itself, and you can boil that and you can eat it like noodles. Uh, You also want to get bladder rack, which will give you the other 10 minerals. That gives you all together. Sea moss and bladder rack will give you the full 102 minerals that the body needs. You also want to get colloidal silver which destroys viruses. That's another major thing, black seed oil. You want to get elderberry. Uh, I recommend everyone start to make lime, ginger, hibiscus tea. A very easy method to do. You can just Google that, how to make lime, ginger, hibiscus tea, extremely high in vitamin C, extremely high in uh, fighting against cancer and all these. Uh, it breaks down the mucus and it pretty much burns and liquefies it. So you want to do that. Cardio exercise, get a lot of cardio exercise, drink anywhere between half a gallon to a gallon of water a day. You want to make sure you stay away from any of the processed foods as much as possible. Um, Drink, uh, eat lots of fruits at this time, especially melons and berries, lots of melons and berries. And I know we're, we're in the hood, so if you have food stamps, go shopping and get high quality foods with the same food stamps. 
All right, don't don't trip on going to the grocery store and getting all the regular, you know, crap that we eat. Now is the time for us to take our health into consideration and to really become, you know, those who control our destiny as far as what we eat because it is our mouth that they have been using to kill us. So now we have to use what we know and change the way we eat and change the way we live so that we can actually survive. Also look after the elders, start to give more soups to the elders, hot soups, vegetable broths. If they eat chicken, give them chicken broth, soups, um, and make sure you put paprika, cayenne, pepper in the soups that you eat, turmeric powder, that breaks up all the mucus. There's so many things, you know, that, that we can do. And last but not least, of course, make sure the air is purified around you. Get sage, burn lots of sage and incense that have essential oils in them that will kill the bacteria within the air and get outside to get a good 30 to 45 minutes of fresh air a day. And LA right now, the air is cleaner than I've seen it in probably the last 20 years. So the air is very clean outside. Get as much fresh air as possible so that way you'll have the less likelihood of anything happening and keep fresh air flowing through the house or through the apartment, and we should all be good. You know, you spoke about the narrative. One time there was a narrative that black people couldn't catch this. Then all of a sudden you had people challenging that they could catch it. Now, like you said, they're, they're saying that the blacks are more prone to die from it. Mm-hmm. Um, what, 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 what can, where can we go to get real, authentic information that I believe that the millennials, these young people I keep seeing out when I'm out feeding the, the disabled veterans and the seniors, I see these guys out driving around like there's nothing wrong, nothing's going on, and I'm thinking to myself, hey, man, this is dangerous. But where can we go? You know, besides social platforms, how can we communicate to them to let them know how important it is for them to be careful and to stay alive? Absolutely, and good question. The thing is, now that there's been so much information going out, and it's changed almost every day, to where even the social media influencers, the rappers, the artists, the actors, and athletes, they don't even know what to say. The vast majority. Now, I know anyone who follows my page. You know, I put the actual facts up there also with the people in this generation, which, you know, are in their 30s and younger, in their 20s and in their teens. They follow my page where I make sure I give as many actual facts as possible. Um, The mainstream, we can't really listen to them because they're not really giving out actual facts. They keep changing everything. And uh, also for people who are saying that black people can't get it or that we're the number ones getting it, Dr. Fauci, who was the leading authority on this, in the mainstream, he stated a clarification. He said, I'm not saying that black people are getting infected more with this. He said, I'm saying that when they do become infected, the likelihood of them dying from it is very high because of their pre-existing medical conditions, which is the reason why they're ending up in the ICU. And then he said hypertension, asthma, diabetes, et cetera. He said those are the things that end them up in the ICU. So it's not the virus itself. It's what we have already going on within our bodies, what we're already dealing with. So we have to keep our nutrition up, our nutrition up. And for the young brothers and sisters who are out here, you can go outside a little bit if you're exercising and stuff like that, if you have to go get essential things, food, water, you know, health supplies, of course, if you need to go get those things. But a house, absolutely. But I do recommend you stay by the house, whether if it's in your front yard, backyard, or in the house, because, one, 
though the air is cleaner, this government is exaggerating certain things to where they're going to make it a problem if they see too many of us outside, and then they're going to bring down an order to send out, you know, the National Guard, to send out, you know, to to order or put down an executive order uh, for martial law. That's what we're playing with right now. So it's actually not just a virus. It's really if they keep seeing too much, too many of us out here, young brothers and sisters, you know, like like ourselves, they're going to use that as an excuse to tighten up on more rules and adjust more things and tamper with more of our freedoms. So we have to really be more responsible, even if you want to go outside and all that, you just want to hang out, I feel you. But right now, we have to be close, you know, to being inside of our homes because, you know, they're going to use this to do far more. So let's just be responsible. I want to thank you for being on the show, Neff. It's always good to hear you. And when I see you in the videos, now that you're taller than me, I still remember you as a little kid. I'm thinking to myself, he started growing, and he just never, he never stopped. Right. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm just so proud. I was over um, at the Celebrity Center and over uh, on, on Hollywood uh, getting the uh, Way to Happiness. And um, lots of people asked about you. Uh, when I'm over at Citizens Commission on Human Rights, they always ask about you. And I told me, oh, right. he's a big time guy now. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going to have to go to a booking agent to get him to come and speak now. I know you only had a few minutes, so I I want to just thank you for calling in. I'll stay in touch with you, and we'll put your website, uh, we'll put your social media on our website so that uh, our blog talk uh, uh, followers, uh, our young people can can tune in to you too. Thank you for bringing in a light, a beacon of light in the darkness for our young people, and you definitely have stepped up as a youngster, and I know that Reverend Johnson is really, really proud of you, son. Absolutely. I appreciate you. I love you. Wow, we're we're. I mean, you're talking about a all-star slam. You know, uh, we've had guests that that have have given you the information that we think is most paramount to you surviving during this time. Uh, we, I mean, we just we're going to just keep doing it because that's what we have to do. And uh, I don't know how. Uh, some people get along with it, but um, I think that it's important that uh, we give the people a little something to live for. We've talked to the young people. We've talked to the, the politicians. Uh, we've talked to uh, around this problem. I hope that you pay attention and you follow uh, some of the advice, the good sage advice uh, that will get us through this thing. Um, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. Um, wow. That's all I can say. Wow. Um, so what have we been doing? What have we been doing um, we've been doing the best that we can do, um, taking care of our parts. What's going on now? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Now, you are a vegan, and you've been eating very healthy for the last, how many, three years now? Yeah. They can't hear you. Almost four. Almost four. Um, because of your changing your eating app, uh, your, your eating profile, 
Do you think that your body uh, is talking to you differently than those individuals whom are still eating beef and pork and and uh, their diet, fried foods, fast foods? Do you think that many of the African-Americans that have become positive, the reason why they're dying is because they're not healthy? 100%. 100%. And what do you think about this notion that uh, a vaccine would help the people? Would you take a vaccine? No. I wouldn't take any vaccine. I don't take any shots. So... Tell me about your diet. Tell me what you eat that makes you healthy. Um, I start my day off with my basic protein shake, 30 grams of protein. Um, from there, I continue to have just my basic of beans, some type of protein as far as beans go, fruit, um, things like that to snack on, a lot of nuts, different almonds, uh, peanuts, cashews, whatever type of nuts, then uh, I'll have a meal that will consist of something that just has high protein in it, uh, mixed vegetables, things like that. After my meal, I'll have my vitamin pills, which consist of ginger, raw ginger, um, turmeric, green tea, apple cider vinegar, and a CKLS pill, and these are all the vitamins that I just take just throughout the day and just pound the water, at least a gallon of water a day. Uh, I try to make sure I stay away from sugar, like soda, uh, different juices that's... That consists that consist of a lot of sugar. Yeah. You, you, you were able to tell me that some of the drinks I was drinking uh, consist of a lot of raw sugar uh, in the drink. Right. What, what what drink would you say have the most sugar that most people don't even know, and they're drinking it on a, on a, on a average day? You know, just drink it because they they think it's a cool drink to drink. I think all of the fruit juices, fruit type juice, apple like juice, apple grape, juice, juice. grape juice. You see this thing that says 100% juice. Right. But then when you read the ingredients, it's different. Okay. So the juice. Is a portray is portrayed as being healthy, and you can drink it and drink it, but that's just filled with syrup. sugar and syrup, right. and, a, and it's it's not healthy for you. So it's one of those things that best to just stay away from it. Now, most people don't realize that gorillas are very strong, but they have a no meat uh, protein. They only eat vegetables. Right. Okay. So this misnomer that we eat meat for our protein. Uh, we're actually eating the the meat. The animal ate grass, and we're eating the animal, right. and we're getting our protein from what he ate, right? Getting second-rate protein. Right. So you can get your own protein the same way the animal that you're eating has protein. But instead, we've uh, convinced ourselves that it's better to eat um, second-hand protein, so we eat beef, chicken, and all these other things that we put lean on the package to make you think you're eating healthier. We eat turkey. I think that's any different. So you also, now that you can't go to the gym because of the the uh, the situation that we're in, 
you think it's important to still exercise? Yes, we should. We should at least do some type of exercise every day. I mean, I I jump rope for 20 minutes, and then I do my basic uh, drills that I would do in class at home. Now, you think that if you keep your lungs healthy, if you do contract this virus, you can beat it. Right. I, I, I agree 100%. Most people who are healthy, if you get this, you yeah. won't even know. And it'll fall right off of you. But the people who are getting it and they're dying and they keep bringing them up, it's because they're unhealthy. You already was knocking on that door. Right. So in this situation, what advice would you give to millennials that are not uh, working, that are not uh, a first responder, that are, you know, that I keep seeing when I'm out feeding the people? We're out doing, you know, this work that it seems like nobody wants to do, but we keep seeing these people driving by and partying. Well, what advice would you give them? First, if you're not out to help someone, a family member, or someone that needs the help, it's best to just stay out the way and just stay inside. And uh, definitely, while you're inside and you're not traveling and, and going out and just doing them, you know, random stuff, change up and watch your diet. And because even though you may not realize it, um, you're still not getting as much activity as you normally would. So by staying inside like this, if you keep your same eating habits, you will come out that house a lot heavier and a lot, a lot more uh, at risk of being captured by this uh, virus because your diet is just going to be off. And it's, you know, so check your diet, um, and don't wait till you get sick to take vitamins. They don't do anything um, to help you when they give you medicine once you're already sick. you got to get the stuff in your body before you get sick, so that way the, the virus can't have an effect on you. Your body can, your immune system is strong enough to beat it down and to right. uh, allow you to survive. Well, there's another misnomer out there that black people are dying at an ever-present rate. This is to kill. Well, we do know this is germ warfare. And we do know that because you eat more fast food, you don't take care of your, your body. Many of you are prone to diabetes. Many of you have been on, you know, some form of medication uh, for many, many, many years. We're asking you now to take care of yourself and take care of the elders in your community. If you don't have a grandmother, you don't have a grandfather, you don't have an elderly parent, you have a neighbor that is, look out for them. Don't have them standing in the lines trying to get food and water when you can do, you can do it. You can buy two packs of water each person that go to the store. Buy a pack for one, for one of your neighbors that you know that are ill, that are old, and they can't get out and get it for themselves. Many of them couldn't even lift the, bottle, the, the, the case of water. So, you know, this terrible, terrible disaster is only going to be exacerbated by us not working together. And 
I've been asked, am I afraid? I will tell you this. I was born to do what I'm doing right now. And if I were to die doing it, then I would be happy to know that I died doing what I was born to do, helping the people that can't help themselves. So I don't know what your goal in life is, but if you're not out helping people, stay the hell at home and out of the way because it's very, very frustrating to see people driving slow, looking around, ducking and dodging, jumping in front of the cars, and you're not out there for no reason. Stay your ass at home and out of the way, you know, because all you can do is drive the number up even higher. This is not a test. This is the real thing. People are dying, and they're dying fast. And regardless to what you've heard, it's true. It could be you, Nick. Thanks for tuning in to the Unbuzzing Press Show. I'm your host, Bishop L.J. Gillery. I appreciate you. I will be back on Monday with the Marvelous Monday Show with my co-host, Dr. Shirley McKellar. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you later.